Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Prime Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And welcome to the Crossfire. We're going to be saying it. You get caught up in the. You get caught up in Crossfire. Crossfire. That, that's going to happen a few. Wow, this is uh, <laughs> this is almost as bad as last week with the '90s cartoon. <laughs> well, not cartoon. The '90s toy commercial references. So did did anybody actually own Crossfire? No, no. I was like 14. Oh, okay. All oh, right. Old people. I forgot. Yeah, sorry. No one ever owned that. It, it was, I mean, it was somebody great... must have. It existed. <laughs> no one, no one bought that. It was one of those commercials that the commercial was so good, but it had so little relation to the product <laughs> that you didn't care. Like, like what? Where's the beef commercials? Or um, well, yes, but I mean, I'm I'm aware of people who bought hamburgers during the eighties. Well, oh no, what was the it um? Mean. Oh, spicy meatball. That was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> That's a spicy, spicy meatball. Which I don't even remember what the yeah, fuck it was for, mean. but it wasn't goddamn meatball. I don't even remember what that ad was for. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it was, it was for, for any, um, people under the age of 500 in our audience, it was a, <laughs> some, like kind of a board game-ish thing where you, you had shit, like, it was like a game board, and you you shot little metal pellets at uh, at your opponent. BBs at little spinny plastic things around a BB. I'm sure those things got hella lost like immediately. I mean, it or was it got shot into people's eyes. It was a board game in the like hungry, hungry hippos vein of yeah. of being basically a yeah. toy in the shape of a board game. Yes. And it had a rockin' '80s commercial in which. They're like kids dueling on like a post-apocalyptic hellscape. What well, was Argu- early nineties? Arguably the best commercial of last century. <laughs> it was definitely something that that showed up during Exo Squad, and that's going to be like my new yeah. gauge for all things. Is did that run? Did that <laughs> ad run during Exo Squad? Now, I think it ran fairly uh, like maybe late eighties, early nineties, because. I had it taped on a Tommy Kennedy-hosted edition oh. of Transformers the Movie. See? Yeah, that commercial hung around I, quite a while. I didn't have those for very long. Oh. I had some of those at some point, but the thing is, all of my Tommy Kennedy episodes of G1 uh, were recorded on the superior format Betamax. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> shortly after, I would say probably around 1988, 89, the Betamax player stopped working, and we got a VHS player. I mean, as somebody with... I'm just saying... Apparently, because the the apple does not fall far from the tree, uh, my father made efforts to get the Betamax player repaired well into the 90s. We are a weird people, my family. As somebody with Tommy Kennedy episodes recorded on Betamax, I think you have the most hipster cred of any of us. Transformers I, hipster I, cred. Yeah. Well, Transformers hipster cred. I was going to say the the more general hipster cred would be uh, in in my box uh, from my last move that I called the box of dead media. <laughs> I have a Betamax copy of Surf Nazis Must Die. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's kind of weird. Along with VHS of Lensman and Clash of the Bionoids. <laughs> oh, I don't know where the hell my Lensman VHS is. It oh. should be with everything else, but I'm not positive. I know where mine is. Shoved around. <laughs> Anywho, anyway. uh, out of the 90s and into the... Um, yes, the, uh, today's one. episode is Crossfire. First aired March 31st, 2012, uh, written by our old pal Marty Eisenberg. Sweet. And this and it, is... It is a very character-heavy show. And it is a mostly bad guy episode. It is. 
Yeah. And we don't see any Autobots until after the first commercial break. Oh, yeah. That is... I didn't even realize that. Yeah. And it's one of those sort of bad guy episodes where really when the good guys show up, it's just sort of to clean up after the bad guys. and You know, in in response to to all their nonsense. Although RC gets some stuff to do. uh, Very... Uh, reactive. Yeah, I mean, she... I don't know if it's so much as she gets some stuff to do as she takes it upon herself to do some stuff because no one can tell her no. Yep. Yeah. Does, does Bumblebee <laughs> even beep in this episode? Uh, he does yeah. some... Yeah, he does a little beeping. He does a okay. little beeping that I uh, I translated in context to mean he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we're uh, we're on the uh, we're on the Nemesis and uh, Arachnid, who is still second in command. She's wondering, you know, hey, uh, you know, we've still got those Iacon files that Soundwave is uh, really lagging ass in decrypting. So uh, you know, maybe you should just send me out to search for them because I'm clearly the best tracker, given that I am basically a serial killer. Also, <laughs> I mean. Fair point here. You gotta assume that when you're sending knockout and breakdown on these missions, they're spending approximately 75% of the time just completely distracted by other things. <laughs> you can fill in what those other things are. I would say that's maybe 50% of it, but there's another 25% that's like, I don't know, getting like random street races and hitting things <laughs> and just like just driving there because they're going to take their time going along the long curves and straightaways. Also that. So I I gotta say that that I cannot disagree with her assertion that knockout and breakdown are probably not doing the best job of all this. Yeah, uh, but Megatron's all oh, suggestion noted. And denied. Yeah, he, well, he doesn't actually. He leaves that unsaid, implied. but she clearly knows mm. what it means. It's definitely implied. Yeah, so, so she leaves, and Soundwave replays that time back in the last season finale, where she was all, "Hey, so uh, uh, maybe Megatron's gone and also crazy. So maybe I'm in charge now?" Question mark. I mean, to be fair, I mean, he was gone and crazy. Yes. Uh, but but also Megatron's like, Soundwave, remind me of this one's loyalty. And I, I don't, I don't know if he's, if this is, if it's a rhetorical question or not. I kind of feel like he doesn't, he's just not like more asking this to, uh, to remind the viewer rather than needing to be reminded yeah. himself. I mean, clearly Soundwave does not much care for her. Yeah. Well, Soundwave doesn't seem to care for anybody except for Megatron. Yeah, well, everybody else kind of sucks in comparison to Megatron. Yeah. I, yeah, I allow that. That's, I, I grant this motion. So anyway, he calls up, uh, Dreadwing, who's just like making, who's just like cleaning his gun. Well, I his mean. gun and setting up some bombs. Yeah. Is he setting up bombs? Does he ever have bombs again? Yes, he does. There's definitely an episode coming up where there's a lot of bomb stuff. Okay, good. So anyway, he's all, yeah, hey, uh, Dreadwing, I have a job for you. You know, usually I, uh, you know, usually I would do this myself, but, uh, I'm going to let my first uh, officer do it. And, uh, Dreadwing, he's a little slow on the uptake, and he's among your less treacherous Decepticons. So he's all, uh, wait, uh, I'm not your first officer. And Megatron's all, oh, aren't you? Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. Uh, like, but you could be. Also, uh, I, I just want to point out that as soon as you said the name Dreadwing there, my mind filled in is punishing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the last I will mention that commercial in this episode, probably. <laughs> So yep, it is it is time for one of those Sopranos esque trips into the woods. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Goodfellas, but sure. Yeah, yeah, Breakdown and Dreadwing are gonna take Arachnid to we're going to the back. You're gonna see the good coats. <laughs> yeah. No 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 no, it's just a little further. You got gonna see you gotta see the good coats. <laughs> you know, she's gonna get there and it's, there's just gonna be a room full of plastic. 
Yeah. And this ends with, uh, I don't know, knockout hitting a, f- hitting a phone booth. Yeah. I haven't seen this episode. I'm sorry. Anyway, so it she... needs to be more about Breaking Bad. <laughs> so she figures this out pretty quickly. She knows that there, there is a reason that she's on this mission with two beefy dudes. Two big blue <laughs> beefy dudes. They're, they're, they're taking her out to put her down. And she knows this, but she is still willing to just get some huge slams on breakdown out of nowhere. Oh yeah, she's heavy into the oh eye Oh my puns. god, she's so good! Yeah. Yeah, I know we've never seen eyes to eye, but that doesn't mean we can't patch things up. No. <laughs> I love her. She's so terrible. Also, I think she's all, oh, uh, you know, this must be important if Megatron sent his two uh, elite warriors here. And she's like, well, you know, it's me. You know, it's Breakdown immediately thinks she's talking about him and Dreadwing, but she's actually talking about herself and Dreadwing. Yes. (laughs) Because she hasn't Uh, been around Dreadwing enough to come up with some slams on him. I mean. Well, he's competent. Yeah, he, he just showed up. Yeah, just make make jokes about his dead brother, I guess. Oh, she would do that, man. Who she never met, so. If she knew about him, yeah. Yeah, she she probably doesn't know about him, because otherwise she'd be all over that. Yes, I mean, given that, you know, he was last seen a stumbling zombie in a slightly off-kilter reality. Yeah, and of course, Dreadwing doesn't know that either. Yeah. And him not knowing that is going to become a plot point. Yay. That's true. Which it, it, anyway, so things she... start to get confusing because I know that that comes into play, but I don't think I ever saw this episode. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Because anyway, uh, well, so she's... a thing that happens in, in but the, it's the best. quick fight that follows, um, I forgot somebody goes away. Well, I never saw when somebody goes away. Yeah. Yeah, we are, we are bidding farewell to a, a long-running character here. And uh, to an actor who, quite frankly, we're probably best rid of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't really need him hanging around the fandom, thanks. Yeah. Uh, Not that we get anyone else hanging around the fandom. So she, she just keeps poking the bear, and finally, Breakdown goes nuts on her. She takes advantage of this. She uh, webs up his face, Dr. Octopus style. What? Spider-Man style? Well, yeah, but she... he uh, he's the Doctor Octopus in this uh, no, in this scenario. No, he's at best he's Sa- no, he's Hydro Man. <laughs> he's not even Sandman competent. Also, I like when she runs off, and you know, Breakdown's obviously going to go after her, and Dreadwing is like, "Don't be a fool!" And he well, he has a moment where he stops and he thinks and he's like, "Nope, gonna be a fool." Yeah, because she has webbed um, Dreadwing to a tree, so Breakdown is ignoring him. And so they can't go in with the two of them, and he's just charging in alone. Yeah, he's like, maybe don't do that. And he's like, uh, nope, I'm going to do the thing. Yeah, he thinks, you know, he finds her. He thinks that he's got, uh, you know, she's sort of dragging her abdomen around. Like, oh, she's hurt. She's a she's serial killer. Come on. One broken spider leg, which barely yeah. slows her down. She's got seven more, six more, five more. Yeah. It's weird. Redundancy is very useful. So he ends up getting his uh, his hammer stuck in some in a web trap, and then she pulls herself up and just murders him off screen. Yeah, I was hoping for some of weird There's, noises uh... when we see the aftermath, but this is probably Ooh, a thing where you can't get away with too much. There's a lot of screaming. At least seeing one limb getting taken off. Because you see his corpse later on. It's a lot of screaming. Indeed, she just, like, leaves the bits of him. Yes. Pieces. He becomes body parts. Yes. Yes. And uh, it just so happens that uh, somebody who's looking for body parts stumbles upon them. It's mech. I I like that the mech, the, like, generic mech guy uh, is apparently where they get uh, stormtroopers from (laughs) and... uh, you know, also via cons. What I'm saying is he's just a, a generic Steve Bloom voice. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, not in this episode is Clancy Brown, so he's just talking to him on the phone. <laughs> yeah. He was busy, I don't know, doing something cool. Yeah, but uh, this is going to come back well, later. There's already enough 
villains in this episode. Yeah. You, you don't need a Clancy Brown. He he uh, add too much spice to the sauce. It it, it would become a crisscross fire. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make you jump jumps while on fire. Oh, we did so many of those jokes. Maybe. Anyway, speaking of too many bad guys, uh, it's Starscream. Too many cooks. Dun, dun, dun. Who is just pathetically hanging out in old mines looking for Energon. Oh, scrabbling in a cave. Because he can't transform. He says he, he's monologuing to himself about being degraded looking for Energon scraps. To which my note is, hey, Starscream's new name is Scraps. <laughs> so, but he's and not alone. No, because speaking of too many bad guys, there is a huge ass insecticon in this cavern, which is un- which, Hey, now we know how big they are. Yes, and it turns very. out very large. And also, uh, well, Starscream is as confused as we are because they don't have insecticons on Earth. Yeah, it's like, what did they, in the previous episode, they said they left them on Cybertron as like a security measure or some shit, just in right. hibernation, so why the fuck are they here? Excellent question. I'm not actually sure if we ever find out. Oh. So, I I mean, why is anything that the Cybertronians left on Earth here? Well, that's true. Well, most but... of the other stuff is Maybe like... they are the spawn of Unicron. They shot it off of Cybertron and it was magneted to Earth because of Unicron, but... Who shot Insecticon into space? Maybe Unicron had crabs. (laughs) (laughs) So I I like that Starscream, so this this Insecticon has like a little chunk of Energon crystals. And Starscream starts like telling it to hand it over to him as a superior life form. And I'm just thinking next time I'm like taking a hike and, and there's a bear... I'm just going to try talking to a bear like this, because that's about, like, the level you're at here, is you're just, like, lecturing this basically wild animal. Yeah. Well, it turns out this works for some people. Yeah. Because... Well, it works for people who are half bear, in in this analogy. (laughs) Druids? Yeah. It Uh... works for druids. Oh, she's like an insect druid. Oh, yeah, it, uh, Arachnid is here. She's also come to this cave to lick her wounds. She just And has, and she has also come to dom this uh, this Insecticon. Yes. Yeah, somehow she's become a hypno-spider. Hypno- well, it only works on insects. It's like how, uh, how the lizard can command all reptiles. I, uh, I could see there being sure. some sort of very interesting, like, animated Black Arachnia-esque backstory here, but without the angst about yeah. her, like, actually being, like, I don't know, some Insecticon experimental, I don't know. I blame Shockwave. Like, I'm she probably, Shockwave. like, there might have been experiments yeah, yeah. performed on her, but she probably volunteered for them. Yes. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's Pretty much exactly. What like I'm no, saying. no, g- give give me them bug parts. F me up, fam. <laughs> yes. Ooh, I'll have how many legs? Oh. So yes, I I agree that I mean, but it does sort of imply that at, at least as much as there's any sort of biological component to to any of this, that she is in some way like actually biologically part Insecticon. Which is a weird carryover from animated Black Arachnia that's not explained. It's sort of like implied, but not. Weird. Well, because she is. It's not just like do my bidding creature. It's like serve me, worship me. Yeah. Yes, literally, she's here to dom this guy. Yeah. But again, it only works on bugs. Whereas it. Yes. I mean, at least it worked on Grimlock in uh, animated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I I don't know. See that, and I'm not sure if that was a power or just you know, being sexy. Yeah. Dominant yeah. This lower seems more like this but, seems more like a queen bee thing. Yeah, it's like that a power. More like yeah. just a dominatrix thing, <laughs> like a vampy thing. Yeah. 
so anyway, they Starscream, you know, they, he turns up and it's time once again for one of Starscream's ill-advised team-ups. <laughs> well, he, he's he really tries not good. an ill-advised team-up. Yeah, because he's all, hey, I hate Megatron, you hate Megatron, you've got a giant murder sect. Uh, let's <laughs> team up and, uh, we'll, you know, roll the Decepticons together because that'll totally work. Let's, uh, let's kill Megatron. And. Which is like, everything Starscream has done in like the past dozen or so episodes is trying to con himself into any advantage when he has none. Yeah. And, uh. I feel bad for him. <laughs> it just keeps getting worse every time for him. Yeah. Poor guy. And this, is, I mean, I think Mech probably initially intended to honor their deal. Yeah. If yeah. things had worked out and he hadn't, like, fucked up the transformation cog. Right. Been a jerk. But he fucked that up. Yeah. He did. Whereas Pretty this, good. right off the bat, Arachnid is all on a counterproposal. Um, I kill Megatron and also you. <laughs> and then she sticks the Insecticon on him. Because as she points out, she doesn't want to lead the Decepticons. She doesn't care about leading the Decepticons, but she nope. does like revenge. Yeah. Yes. So, hey, there's our first commercial break done, and we finally cut to the Autobots. <gasps> what are they Autobots? doing? Because just as they did back in the Orion Pax trilogy, uh, they're getting a secret signal from Starscream. I, I appreciate that it's specifically a high-frequency signal. Yes. Because it's from Starscream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just I'm going, <laughs> So once yes, again... As my notes say, wine scream. Yeah, so once again, Ratchet has to be like a crooked vet who uh, gives painkillers to criminals. <laughs> yes. And he makes house calls with his muscle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I obviously you would go with Bulkhead. Yeah. So, and for one thing, if you actually need the patient carried, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, it turns out that Starscream doesn't actually know anything that they don't. But then he mentions that Insecticon, and they're all, oh, hey, uh, you know, that's kind of important. Did Starscream manages to sort of accidentally come up with a plan here? Yeah, because he knows that, oh, you know, Arachnid one? is planning to ambush Megatron with this Insecticon. He yeah. kind of did that last time, because he was just, you know, brought up the space, you know, something came up with the space bridge, and he just got all pissy about it, and that turned out to be the information they needed. And here, he just happens to mention the Insecticon, and they're like, wait, what? And he's like, oh, good, that's that's the secret word here. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor everyone. So they patch him up, they get back to base. RC is, of course, mad because she's got that whole murder vendetta. And this is where Bumblebee pipes in basically what I assume to be a saying. He's an asshole. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously they had the chance to finish him off, but Primazol, no, yes. you can't just kill a guy who's helpless. But I, <laughs> I think Starscream. Ratchet actually did bother to heal him this time. Yes. Only because he mentioned he'd, his transformation cog is gone. Yes. So he's crippled and, and half useless because he can't fly, and that was Starscream's number one thing. Well, mm -hmm. number two behind That's... talking all the time. The poor guy, he's just like, Prime now just considers him like beneath killing. Yes. He's like, <laughs> I feel bad for him. I mean, a little, not that much. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's like most Starscreams, you, you do feel sorry for him because he, he's such an idiot, but he keeps trying. Just th This Starscream is so skinny and the most pitiful. Yes. It's just, it's such a burn. Just like, he's, he's not even worth taking out. Wow. So, back on the Nemesis, Arachnid phones in, uh, obviously Dreadwing is not in Megatron's good graces at the moment, having let her get away and let Bulk and let, uh, Breakdown get murderized. But is he, is he punishing? Well, he's getting punished. <laughs> 
punish Ed. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's close enough. So she's all, hey, why don't you, you know, hey, I killed uh, Breakdown. Why don't you come and get me in this, what is obviously not a trap? <laughs> not at all a trap. Megatron's all right. Now, listen, I'm going. Dreadwing, you've friggin' done enough. You stay here. Stay here and tend to the Viacons and knock out who's probably crying in his quarters. Yeah. Yeah, this is Sir, all it's like... It's weird that Knockout is not around here. It, yes. I mean, it's... Man, I just feel like there was so much... I mean, that, that was a thing that needed to be... You know, that, that needed to be touched on, and, and they were just well, like, yeah, we're not gonna... That's just a clear <sighs> difference between Transformers Fiction now and Transformers Fiction where it was then. Yes. I guess. It just, I mean, it disappointed me at the time, and I'm sure it will probably continue to disappoint me for the rest of my life, but I guess that's what fan fiction's for. I think he eventually gets his revenge. He gets some revenge, yeah. but there's never, like, any actual, Morning. you know, response other than that. And even then, that's more the re- just revenge against what is going to happen to his body. Yes. That's true. More of a, uh, more, more of a desecration thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, that was, <laughs> that was Knockout's body to yeah. desecrate. I, I enjoyed desecrating it at least once a night. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, he, Megatron comes to this mine and he's all, hey, you know, face me, arachnid. But instead, he just gets jumped by this giant insecticon. Yeah, who's slightly bigger than him, which is kind of impressive and also rather and- annoying because, like, this would have had to have been like a leader class toy to be the same size as Megatron, but all we got is a little. What the fuck were they called at the time? The uh, Cyberverse. Legends, Cyberverse, I think. Crap. Yeah, it was that was disappointing. I I wanted a, a huge ass bug. It, it looks God, bigger than that. They were like it's bigger than like the itty bitty tiny suckers, cool. but it's still like it's Scout class. I'm yeah, sure. it's like three or four inches high. Yeah. And so this is uh, this is a straight up Mortal Kombat fight down to um down to Arachnid at one point yelling finish him. <laughs> oh and um at least twice Megatron mentions he's a fighter from Kaon. He's a gladiator. Gladiator pits or something. From the yeah. pits of Kaon. That's right. Also, they are in, uh, we got to see from some maps earlier, they are in the northern part of South America. Ah. So this, this fight is pretty cool. Yeah. It, it, it's, goes pretty good. It's a lot of weird grapple moves. Like, the Insecticon at one point grabs Megatron's head, jumps over Megatron, and then flips Megatron over his shoulder, which, I have no idea what that yes. move would be called. <laughs> and also, I think for the first time, uh, this Insecticon is making horse noises. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's got the weird, frightened, scared horse whine thing, which the Insecticons keep doing, and, and it's it's creepy. I mean, I think that works for me because horses are terrifying. It, I I mean, I figure kind it's of, basically, they wanted to have, like, a scary animal sort of sound, but it's still got, like, a people face. So they're yeah. like, well, what kind of People-ish. terrifying animal sound would something make that's a bug, but a giant bug, and it's got a mouth? And also, we've got like, Frank what's... Welker here. Yes. I, I don't, is it Frank Welker making the noise? It sounds like it's an actual horse noise. Then again, he does actual lion roars. Remember, I was gonna say, yeah, why remember, would you? Why would you ever go through the trouble of getting an? Why would you even hire foley artists when you have Frank Welker? Well, in fact, I think around? for the Lion King, they like rec- they like went to the zoo and recorded a bunch of roaring lions, and they they you know they just didn't quite sound right. So they yes. they're not impressive enough. So they had Frank Welker roar into a garbage can, and it sounded better. <laughs> yeah. it sounds way better. Uh, he's so oh, great. I wonder if he's in the new one too. 
He must be in the new one. How could he not be in the new one? That's that's fair. If he's around, he's got to be there, like, making animal sounds. <laughs> and who knows? They might need... Are are there any songs? There are songs in this one, right? Like, it's still going to be musical, so. I think. I Oh, I think I heard that at least, like, one of Scar's songs is gone. Oh, they're not, they're not, they're leaving out Be Prepared? That's the best song. Uh, that's the most Nazi song of all of them. It is super Nazi. And uh, I was just saying, they might need Frank Welker if they need somebody to replace whoever's playing Scar if he blows his voice out halfway through. Uh, <laughs> like what happened with, that, that happened to Jeremy Irons on the original Lion King. Nice. Although it's not Frank Welker, it's Jim Cummings. And you can clearly hear halfway through the song, he just turns from Jeremy Irons into Darkwing Duck. But Jim Cummings is better at singing. Well, I mean, but they had Jeremy Irons do the first half of the song. Yeah, well, it gets better as the song goes on. I think he literally, like, wrecked his vocal cords. Oh, well, it does happen sometimes. And I guess they were on, like, such a quick time frame. Mm. However, if you do want to hear, I think maybe the only time Frank Welker's ever been used as a singing double. Uh, it's in The Rescuers Down Under. Oh. Where they've got George C. Scott playing an evil poacher. That's a musical? Not a lot, but at one point he's singing Home on the Range. Oh. Oh. And I guess they either, they couldn't get George C. Scott to sing, which is entirely believable because George <laughs> C. Scott was a maniac. <laughs> And so, well, he's singing George C. Scott is just replaced with Megatron doing karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a video that needs to exist. That sounds great. And uh, uh, anyway, the Autobots also drop in to watch this uh, gladiatorial contest. By God, that's Prime's music! Well, they are not intervening. They're all, well, you know, we'll let these guys beat each other up and then we'll take the guy who's left, but... It's R.C., and, of course, Arachnid is there. And and my a, God, uh, R.C., I need a notebook just to keep up on who you have sworn a vow of vengeance against. Everyone. Just, well, at I this mean, point, it's like... I guess all Decepticons. Decepticons. She hasn't sworn a vow of vengeance against any Autobots yet. I mean, not that we know Give of. She might have killed them first. Well, I don't think she's sworn a vow against Knockout. Knockout might be safe. Yeah, not yet. Just wait. It'll happen. <laughs> Because there is a cool sort of slow motion bit where, she, where, again, RC just goes off to murder somebody. Megatron's fighting this insect on slow motion. You just see this motorcycle leaping towards Arachnid. Yes. <laughs> also, I think like Optimus or someone is like RC, no, and she's just like RC, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. She's got killing to do. Anyway, so so Megatron rips this Insecticon's limbs off, and then its head. Megatron wins. Fatality. Decapitation! So, yes! Since Toasty. when does decapitation... <laughs> like, there were whole episodes of Animated using decapitation as slapstick. Well, That's yeah, true. Well, I don't think that quite work works different. with Prime. This is... No, I know, Prime, it's a much more serious. People are dying more frequently on this show. Prime seems to operate more on, like, the IDW rules, like you destroy or remove the head and they're dead like zombies. Uh, I like zombies. Where, where is it animated with great zombies? Although, interestingly, not like, not like some actual insects which can survive for weeks without a head. Ah, uh, hmm. see? So that's, this episode has two decapitations. Yes, that's true. And both and are no indeed fatal, as decapitations tend to be. Oh, wait, no. Actually, there is energon leakage, but it's only from Arachnid at the beginning. The two bodies and, don't And also Starscream through. is leaking energon. Oh, yeah, he Again. Is. So energon only comes out of injuries, not deaths? That's... Well, maybe it's when you die, it's not like... Stuff's not pumping anymore? An... Right. I have an alternate proposal regarding specifically Arachnid and Breakdown. Mm. Honestly, I think you can probably fill in the blanks. I'm saying she drank all his blood. Well, that... Oh, yeah. We... That, actually, we know that she doesn't because it... that There's a later episode where this kind of becomes important. Oh. Alright. Moon shit. Where it's not like... Drinking blood is a normal thing for her. 
it is or it isn't. It isn't because it. Anyway, we'll we'll get to that when we get to that episode. But I'm thinking maybe Energon like immediately congeals once somebody dies. That's yeah. Because it's found naturally in a solid form. Yeah, that's true. That's wild that there's like research papers to be done on Energon, but uh, that would be silly. (laughs) Anyway, the, the Megatron kills Insecticon, and then the Autobots jump down and. Megatron proclaims himself the, the champion of the Royal Rumble yet again. And then immediately falls down because he's hella tired. Yeah, his legs start to wiggle. Poor guy. It's just, okay, yeah. he's a big dude, but like, Oof. I mean. Listen, Megatron's not as young as he used to be. I guess he is ancient. But oh, I love old Megatrons. Listen, he is old because he is hard. <laughs> Anyway, so Prime's kind of rethinking his whole we don't kill defenseless opponents things because Megatron is right there and Prime has seen the ending of Dark of the Moon. (laughs) Yeah, he's, uh... Maybe he's just tired of Megatron's, like, saucy implications. Yes. Well, yeah, he's like... Because there is a little bit of that here. But this does handle the same basic thing that happens to movie murder Prime. In that, yes, he's going to kill Megatron, but he thinks about it for a long time in the series, unlike the movies where, give me your face happens multiple <laughs> times. Listen, he only took Lucky. the guy's face one time. <laughs> Look, he really needs a did, face. Did he chop somebody's head in half, too? Uh, he pulled it Probably. in half with his hook hands. That counts. I mean, it wasn't like a That's give me worse. your face. It was just, it was like in the middle of a fight. That guy wasn't defenseless. I guess. I'm just thinking of the end of Dark, the one where he just totally blows up, um. Oh, Sentinel, Sentinel Prime. Prime at the end. Yeah. And then, like, two minutes later, uh, shoves an axe into Megatron's torso and pulls his head off. Yeah. Uh... I I still enjoy that movie, but the ending is a little like a, a terrible axe cop strip. <laughs> I don't, enjoying one of the movies is such a foreign concept that we'll have to wrestle with when Bumblebee comes out, maybe. That's right. <gasps> he did a little bee. He's good bee. But anyway, this ethical debate gets uh, ended prematurely when Dreadwing, defying Megatron's orders, shows up with a bunch of Viacons. <laughs> Dreadwing runs punishing, in, says my total, brain. Th- this slobber knocker has turned into a total schmoz. <sighs> By God, it's Dreadwing with the folding chair. <laughs> Get the tables! The Viacons? Yes. I guess they would be D-Generation X. <laughs> anyway, um... We have a bit of a Mexican standoff here. But uh, then they actually, they cut a deal with Dreadwing. Like, hey, you know, you, you know, you spare us, we'll give you Megatron back. Uh, do I, you know, you know, Dreadwing's an honorable guy, so he's all, you know, you have my word. And Megatron's all, well, you don't have my word, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Optimus yeah. does acknowledge that Dreadwing's word seems to be a pretty decent. Yeah. Well, yeah, he knows he's a Klingon mad bomber. The, the the noble fighter thing doesn't go with the mad bomber part of his personality. Yeah. And amusingly, uh, Tony Todd has definitely played a Klingon. Uh, has he? <laughs> I think on Deep Space Nine. Let me look this up. I mean, I could see it happen, but but like I don't, I, I don't remember. I mean, he's already a tall guy. Now, but yes. Oh, he played Worf's brother. Worf's brother? Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh. Uh, his brother, Kern. Okay, he's a typing error. I think he was <laughs> just... I think he was just on Deep Space Nine, not Next Generation. Oh, no, no, he was on both. He was, My mistake. He's oh. the sign that okay. accidentally says dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love shit like uh. that. I love kerning errors. Anyway, so Megatron takes out the Dreadwings. He just leaves all these Viacons to just get murdered. 
It, and they do, like usual. Oh, they do. The, I mean, I didn't start when this show started, but and it would be impossible now, and, and even probably impossible anyway. Just like counting how many Viacons get murdered in this show. We've got to be up to like 50 by now. I think maybe they're not 100% sapient, and you can just like collect them up at the end and put them back together. Maybe they they are sapient, it's just that they're like waspinator. Right. Seems like, I mean, they, some of them could carry on conversations. So whereas, like, normal Decepticons are not designed to be decapitated, these guys can be decapitated and reassembled just fine. Again, another Transformers series where decapitation is just <laughs> slapstick. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're like a bunch of modulocks. Actually, it'd be really, that'd be interesting if they actually implemented something like that for Decepticons, because it kind of makes sense. I'm, Semi-intelligent I mean, I'd be interested if they just ever explained what was up with the vehicle. No, they don't, which is... Amazing. I kind of want to know at this I know. point. And, well, Robots in Disguise is over, so, and I doubt they ever came up in that. I think they, like, a couple showed up in the background. When you had a big group of Decepticons. I think they, they reused some models that looked like Viacons, but I don't think they were Viacon Viacons. They just had mm. the body lying around. Mm. Stuck a new head on yeah. Painted a green or something. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, RC is off fighting Arachnid. She ends up webbed in a cocoon. But uh, before And then she... the sexiest scene of the season. No, That's right. It is Starscream to the rescue. <laughs> yeah. And he's getting payback on Arachnid this time. Yeah, and... So, so he drives okay, so... her away. Decepticons can use their weapons when they don't have transformation cog. Although well, I guess Starscreams to... are always out anyway, but still. Right. I think it's just a thing where like his arms don't have to transform, they're just on his arms. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Whereas Bumblebee has to turn his arm into a gun. Oh. I mean, they're missiles. Just, you know, I mean, unless they're being guns. I mean, we saw that um, when his arm is detached, the kids were able to fire the missiles on their own. Yeah. So maybe it just is a matter of, like, your particular, you know, physiology. Yeah, your whole deal. Yeah, your whole deal. Because presumably Starscream could fly if he was able to fly in robot mode normally. Although I don't know that anybody on this show can fly in robot mode. I don't. Nobody has uh-huh. really done that outside of G1 and Beast Wars. Really? Well, wait, did um, they have been animated? I don't remember. It, I'm, yeah, Starscream can definitely fly in robot mode. Yes. Unanimated. And I think, um, I think Windblade can when she shows up on Robots in Disguise. Oh, well, she's got the wing, wing, or wing turbine thingies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, Starscream is all, hey, you know, I remember what happened uh, when I had Cliff Jumper like this. But also, way back last season, you didn't kill me when you had a chance, so uh, we're even now. Yeah, Starscream operates on the honor system, that's a surprise. That is weird. <sighs> I mean, when he feels like it. Yeah. Well, it's... It doesn't make sense, and yet it does, because he's been sucking up to the Autobots a few times to not kill an Autobot. Makes yeah, if he sense. kills RC, their deal is probably off next time. Yeah, Ratchet ain't going to patch him up ever again. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of important. So, yeah, Starscream's still looking out for number one. Yep. Oh, uh, at some point, I think uh, Bulkhead calls Megatron Buckethead. That was cute. Yes, he does. Yay. Even though his head is not particularly bucket-like. No, In well, this iteration. It's, it's round, it's it's more flat than a regular bucket. It, it's more yeah. bucket-shaped than G1 Megatron, which was a weird oblong octagon. No, G1 is definitely bucket head. Yeah. That's so like the bucket head Megatron. Flat. Okay. Anyway, so... Uh... So she gets rescued by the Autobots, um, and meanwhile, Arachnid has just burrowed underground, Tasmanian devil style again, yes. and she finds out where 
uh, her Insecticon buddy came from, there's a whole hive of them down there. Yeah, it's, it's, somebody left a set for Alien 2 behind. Or Aliens. Yes. <laughs> Again, this, you don't want to know where this part of Unicron is. No. <laughs> this is where all the crabs are. He's going to have to send John Goodman down there. <laughs> yes. The can of hairspray and a lighter. <laughs> and so that is Crossfire. It's a, it's a very bad guy heavy episode. I like and it. I enjoy it's got it. All the best. I just, just feel like it needs action. more emotional impact on yeah. the role of a certain someone. Having knockout like a really pissed off would have been nice something, but the episode is kind of crowded, I guess. Yes. Yeah. It's fine. I bet Margaret Scott's got a text file in the back reaches <laughs> of her. I mean, you could have stretched drive. this out to a two-parter, even. Yeah, like you probably could get, get, get... Had, like, a mech fight in the forest or something? Yeah, get some mech in there. Um, maybe Knockout goes on a, a doomed solo mission where he tries to get Arachnid, but... She, he loses, but for some reason she doesn't kill him. Maybe because, uh, she'd rather see him suffer. Yeah, that's, that's a very arachnid thing to do. And, uh, and RIP, uh, breakdown. We hardly knew ye. I, Alas. I'm of two minds. His hammer about that shall live forever in our memories. Breakdown was. I mean, uh, a nice character idea, and, and it's a breakdown, and they're usually fun, although it's not as dumb as a G1 breakdown. But, um, voice actor, fuck him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of liked him as, like, the working class Decepticon, who's, yeah. uh, you know, like, he's he's your Joe Decepticon. He's, he kind of cares about the Vehicons in the mines. He's kind of got a thing for Arachnid. Joe Decepticon? Yes. I like that. You know, he's, uh, he's, he doesn't really want to, you know, you know, overthrow Megatron or anything. He's just, you know, he's happy collecting his paycheck and, uh, going out to fight the Autobots. Yeah. Happy hitting things with a hammer and collecting his paycheck. Yeah, he, he's the, he's the Bob agent of Hydra of the Decepticons. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And yeah, so that is Crossfire. You get caught in the Crossfire. All right. So uh, join us next time when we uh, have uh, more mech shenanigans in Nemesis Prime. <gasps> I love mech shenanigans. And of course, until then, you can find us all over uh, the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Tumblr, and we're on Facebook. And we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, uh, where we have, uh, first off, we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses, uh, like like uh, tickets to go see Bumblebee for those of us who live in areas where movie tickets are still like $15 a pop. Yeah, they're kind of uh, expensive. Also like uh, actually buying me Prime on DVD, which now I have. Yes. Ooh. Also important. Uh, also on iaconunderground.net, we have a new uh, limited series podcast. But long-term limited in that it's going to take a while. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be monthly. We're going to cover every episode of Gridman. <laughs> it's it's like cereal. It's 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 our season. This is our season yeah. of this show and then we'll cover some other show and then I don't know. We'll think of something else. We'll yes. have a spin-off. We're we're going to do some true crime. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll finally get in and and, and like uh, Jen the- watch a Dragon Maid. With a, a title with one word that we have to censor half the time. It'll be great. <laughs> but, uh, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad Gridman has so many Transformers references, it's, it has to be podcasted because that's what we do. Holy moly, it's like, I don't know, it's definitely up there on the surreality scale. I need a scale <laughs> for surrealism of the cultural impact of Transformers. Uh, so yeah, uh, pop over there. Uh, it, well, uh, bleh, words. I 
did publish the first episode through our normal Stasis Pod and Icon Underground Radio feeds. Uh, but Which we will at this be... point would have been two weeks ago, because sometimes we record things out of order. Yes. Yes. You may but have the first episode have... in your hot little hands. It, it better be in your hot little hands. <laughs> or, or if not, I... go get it, because uh, we have a guest who By is partially responsible this, uh... for that madness in an odd way. <gasps> yes. Mr. Uh, but yes, if uh, if we don't have a separate feed set up for the superhuman samurai cyber pod by the time this this is posted uh someone can definitely hunt me down and smack me over the head because <laughs> that that is a thing that needs to get done and will be done soon yeah, hopefully it'll be done for christmas which is um sort of kind of well next week as when this comes out i think i figured out episodes yeah Whatever, Chris, we're doing another one for Christmas episode, because, fuck it, also the last episode of Gridman will be airing, um, next week, I think. When this comes out, I think, ah, oh, planning ahead is weird. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, yeah, check that out. Uh, and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash underground, where we have other things that we talk about that are new and exciting as well. All right. All right. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Ben. And I got caught up in the crossfire. 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 Y'all get caught up in the crossfire. 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 You'll get caught up in it. And of course, most importantly, William Nylander is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Um, my voice is dying. Someone call Frank Welker. <laughs> and get him a garbage can. Just, do, just No, just have him do his Freddy voice. Be no, funny. he needs the garbage can to make the realistic David noises. Um, <laughs> okay. Stop that. Save.